Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Leslie and I are going to minister in Honduras for 10 days and thank you for your prayers, not only protection, but that God will be with us and use us in ministering to the people. So our absence is going to be your blessing. So over 20 years, we made 130 guest speakers in to make speaking tours for them. And they made 330 DVDs, most of which are available at WatchProphecyClub.com. So what we're going to do today is play about 30 minutes of one of those DVDs. And what we think are probably the top 10 or 11 DVDs that we've made. And so you're going to get a real treat. These are really good. And you can go and watch all of them at WatchProphecyClub.com. And I... Uh, think if you'll go and check there. We, we, here, here, let me just explain. So Prophecy Club started in 1993. 130 guest speakers, 330 recordings. You can watch them all at watchprophecyclub.com. We sponsored them on speaking tours anywhere from 10 to, at one time, we were having 40 meetings a month. Though no, I did run all of them. And uh, at one time, we had three different tours going with three different speakers. So we were... Uh, at one time, we had about 5,000 people typically every month attending our meetings. And in those days, this was before there were other large prophecy ministries. I think at the time we were the number two prophecy ministry in America, second only in those days to Jack Van Impey. Uh, what we've done is chosen 11, me and the staff, chosen 11 of what we think are the best recordings over the last 20 years. So we're going to be playing 30 minutes out of each one of those recordings. Most of them are two-and-a-half-hour recordings. Some of them are doubles, which would be five hours. Normally, we offered them for $30 per DVD. And yes, if you want to go to prophecyclub.com, you can still get the DVD. And we are offering uh, all 11 of these recordings on DVD for a gift of $100. You can get that at prophecyclub.com. Now let's talk about Watch Prophecy Club. So all of these are put up so you can watch them. And, by the way, we now have an app so you can watch them easily. You can go to Prophecy Club and you can watch the Prophecy Club. Or you can go to Watch Prophecy Club. You can go and watch all of these DVDs. Or you can download our app. And the way the app works is that you can be watching a DVD. And then if you get a phone call, it pauses it. When it's done, it starts playing again. Introducing the Watch Prophecy Club app now available for your Android and iOS devices. Watch Prophecy Club is your exclusive home for the last 30 plus years of the best in Bible prophecy and end times information from the Prophecy Club. This app features over 100 speakers and 23 categories of Prophecy Club titles since the beginning. We are also excited to announce an integrated community feature where you can interact with other believers and Bible prophecy students. Choose either a monthly or annual subscription with a three-day free trial. Cancel anytime. So let's back up and talk about Watch Prophecy Club. It's $20 a month. There's no commitment. You can stop anytime you want to. Or $200 a year. But if you'll put in TPC 2023 right there, you'll get the first month free, meaning you can watch all 11 of these for free, as long as you did it the first month. And if you put in TPC 2023Y, 20, 
you get a one-year plan for $180. You get $20 off. That's a really good deal. <laughs> Never thought it'd be such a good deal. Anyway, normally $30 each, but you can get all 11 of these recordings for a gift of $100. Prophecyclub.com for that. If you want to watch them instantly, you go to watchprophecyclub.com, or the best way is simply download our app. You just go to the App Store, and it's either Apple or Android, and you can download the app, and that is probably the easiest, fastest way, most convenient way to, to watch them. All right, now, let me explain about the meetings. Typically, we would have anywhere from about 100 to the maximum we had at one meeting, which was Dimitri Dudeman. We had 1,000 people at one of his meetings. And so we would have them in a television studio where we could make you nice recordings, nice professional recordings, at least professional compared to those days. Now, we do a much better job today. And today, we're going to be watching America's Occult Holidays. This is Dot Marquis. Doc was raised in an Illuminati family. I said raised, okay? He was not raised Christian, not raised atheist. He was raised in an Illuminati family. He was trained as an Illuminist and attained the rank of Master Witch, third degree. He has been a Christian since 1979. He's appeared to gone to be with the Lord now. Appeared on, consulted for Oprah Winfrey Shore, the Raldo Rivera hard copy inside edition, and Unsolved Mysteries. He reveals how all America's holidays, all America's holidays are designed by and using an occult numerical pattern originating from the Illuminati. You'll discover how the real truth behind popular holidays such as Christmas is not about Christ, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's Day, May Day, and other traditions of men. Learn the truth behind occult practices such as trick-or-treat or May Day. Now let's go listen to Dot Marquis talk on America's occult holidays. You can watch the whole thing on WatchProphecyClub.com. Today, we're all going to watch the first 30 minutes of it. It's recorded in 1997. Watch the whole thing at WatchProphecyClub.com. Welcome to the Prophecy Club, where we study and research Bible prophecy. Our topic tonight is America's Occult Holidays. Now, I was raised uh, celebrating these holidays and doing things like trimming uh, jack-o'-lanterns, and I went on trick-or-treat, and I didn't understand what I was doing either. So don't feel bad when you hear some things tonight that drop your mouth open and say, I had no idea what I was doing and what I was really celebrating. But in fact, there's a lot of occult behind our holidays. Now, that's not to say that we should not celebrate the birth of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus. I will celebrate my Lord's holidays. But there is a lot of occult that is wound in them, and he's going to be exposing that. Well, who is he, and has he earned the right to talk about that? As a matter of fact, he has. His family has been in the Illuminati for 189 years, seven generations. He's a third-degree master witch. He was raised in an occultic Illuminati family. And I asked him, I said, Doc, have you read books? Have you researched this? Did you go down to the library to learn all of these things? And he said, no. He said, this is just the way we lived. This is the way we celebrated our God. And Christians are celebrating the wrong God in some of these uh, occultic ceremonies. Our speaker also has been on and appeared in and consulted for the Oprah Winfrey Show, the Geraldo Vera Show, Hard Copy Inside Edition, Unsolved Mysteries. And there's one thing that I really like about Doc. 
He is really after winning souls, taking them out of the devil's kingdom and putting them in God's kingdom. He is a real soul winner and he loves the Lord. Will you help me welcome Doc Marquis. Many of us normally celebrate various holidays thinking that they're Christian or that they're American ones and that there's nothing wrong with them. What we are going to learn tonight is going to startle most of you. Hopefully, it'll challenge you. If nothing else, this information has been kicking up a lot of dirt. I'm not kidding. I have seen reactions that I did not think was going to happen. I am talking about where people literally, I tell you, you'd almost think that they were going to get into a fight over this. But then again, as Christians, we're not supposed to be standing still anyways. We're supposed to be moving and serving the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you the very short, very short version of how I got into the occult to begin with. When I say short, I'm not kidding. I have a ton of materials I need to present to you people. When I was three years old, I was brought to my dedication ceremony in the Illuminati. Now, this is not unusual. Many people here in the Christian community, you'll, you will take your children, you'll bring them to your various churches, your denomination, what have you, and you'll offer them up to God, correct? Well, in the occult world, they're doing the same thing, except they're offering their children up to Lucifer. Now, this is nothing unusual. It really isn't. For the occultists, this is a normal practice. When you look at anything in the occult, all you have to do is compare it to the Bible. You're going to find out just about everything in the occult was either reversed or perverted from the Holy Scriptures. In the end, you're going to find out that Lucifer has never had an original idea yet. All he did was create a war and think he was going to be, become God. And we all know what happened then. For the next 10 years, I was put into what's known as the outer court. Now, this is best understood as the Illuminati's version of a seminary. This is where you're taught all the rites, the rituals, the eight nights of human sacrifice, spell casting, alchemy, so on and so forth. So by the time I was 13, at the end of uh, another ceremony, this was my initiation ceremony now, they brought forth a book that was made out of lamb's hide. It's known as the Book of the Dead in their cult. They brought forth a quilled feather and then a ceremonial knife called athame. They sliced my arm wide open, passed me that quilled feather, I had to dip it in my own blood, and sign my new occult name in this book. This made me one of them. Now, isn't it interesting how in the book of Revelation we find out that in heaven there's an angel signing our name in the Lamb's book of life. Again, just another occult counterfeit. For the next four years, I was going through the ranks like all other Illuminists to where by the time I was 17, I became initiated, initiated as a high druid priest or what's best understood as a third level witch or a master witch. At that point, it gave me authority over a particular region. Now, a region is a governing area in which, in this case, the third level witch had full authority over. We had a little bit more than a thousand Illuminists within this area at the time. A year and a half later, I went into the United States Army under orders from my bosses in the Illuminati. Now, this was not my idea. Okay, don't get me wrong. 
you know, I, but I did not go in for patriotic reasons back then. I, I would do it now, but the Illuminati since the mid-60s have had an ongoing plan in which they were sending in hundreds and thousands of their own people to where they wanted to infiltrate every single military base around the world. Once these bases were infiltrated, they would start setting up their own covens. Now, the reason they were doing this was so that they could recruit key people from the military into their own ranks. And this would help them out tremendously. Let's say you were um, let's say you were into communications, and I initiated you into the coven. Well, because you had access to communications, you're one of us. I now have access to communications. If you had access to supplies, I had anything I wanted because you were now one of us. I had access to what you had access to. And unfortunately, the Illuminati is too good at what they do because as of April 1978, if you check the Army Chaplain's Handbook on Religious Requirements, you will find out that just about every single major occult religion is listed in it. We're talking Satanism, witchcraft, you name it, it's just about there. And it's all legal. They're federally recognized, they have tax exemption, they have priesthood status, and it's all perfectly legal to be practiced on every single military base throughout the world now. And you know, there's nothing we can legally do to stop it. Of course, we weren't going to be told that this is what was really going on, but nevertheless, they did it. Well, to make a very long story short, when I was at Fort Lewis, Washington, a young man, I didn't know him too well, he was just an, uh, just an acquaintance, walked up to me and started a conversation. Shortly after that, he had to leave, but he asked me if I wanted to go to church with him on Sunday. You know, and um, back then, of course, there was no way you were going to get me to set foot in any church. You know, but I have to tell you the truth. Let me tell you, for the next three years, my life literally was a nightmare. Because no matter where I went, and no matter how far I went, there were some born-again Christians just waiting to witness to me. <laughs> I mean, they were falling out of the trees, jumping out of the bushes, and I am not kidding when I tell you this. This is the truth. I actually saw one jump out of a moving vehicle once to try to witness to me, but I ran faster that day than that Christian did. <laughs> to wrap it up, as I was saying, I have a lot to present, but at the end of those three years, I finally saw what I was doing in light of what the Christians were saying all along. On April 15, 1979, I went into a Christian church as a sold-out slave of Satan's, and I left as a born-again child of the king. And for the last 18 and a half years, I've been running a ministry called Christians Exposing the Occult. We're in there trying to get people out of the occult. There's more going on nowadays than most Christians would realize. And it's sad. It really saddens me at times because we're the only ones who actually can be used of God to get these people out. And so many times, we just don't seem to be doing it. What we are going to be doing now, as I stated before, we're going to be going over certain holidays. Just about every single holiday you can think of, and we're going to get into the origins of all this. I am hoping that at the end, this challenges you. Not to go out and have me shot, but challenges you as a Christian, your conviction, your dedication to Christ.
There were eight nights of human sacrifice on the Illuminati's calendar. Starting from the top, December 21st is the night of Yule. It moves down to Imbolg, Ostara, Beltane, Litha, Lunasad, Mabin, and finally Samhain. Now the reason December 21st is at the top is because according to the Celtic calendar, this is the calendar that the Illuminati uses to this very day. The last day of the old year is October 31st. It begins on November 1st, the new year. Now you're going to find out this will have great significance. We will be getting to that. As we look through these nights, you're going to find interesting things are happening to them. If you recall in Genesis chapter 1, I believe it's verse 16, the reason God put the sun, the stars, the planets up in heaven was for us to measure the seasons by and to watch out for certain signs. This was the very specific purpose God put them there. And look at this. The winter solstice, the spring equinox, the summer solstice, and the autumnal equinox. Those are the seasons we're supposed to measure on the calendar. And yet, look at what the occultists did. Already they started perverting it by putting those nights of human sacrifice light on them. And mind you, those four nights that line up with the four seasons, those are the minor ones. That's to say, almost as if to say, well, God is so minor in his plans that we're not even going to bother to recognize them with the major holidays. Nevertheless, these holidays constitutes already a perversion of our calendar. And you're going to see just how bad this has really gotten. Starting with December 21st. From December 21st down to February 1st, there was a six-week period. From February 1st to March 21st, there was a seven-week period. Then notice how the pattern keeps repeating itself. Six, seven, six, seven, all the way down. And there is a very good reason for this. You will also note that those groupings of six and seven constitute sets of thirteens, four thirteens to be specific. And you're going to see this pattern repeated as we go along. How many people have heard of numerology before? Just raise your hand, please. All right. We all know that numerology is where you take numbers and you assign them to specific letters. There was another system in the occult that's known as gematria. Gematria will give you the definition to all the different numbers. For instance, 19 is the number for faith, 35 is the number for hope, so on and so forth. The ones we want to concentrate on is the number 6, 7, and 13. 6 is the number for man, 7 is the number for God, and 13 is the number for depravity and rebellion. It's very important to remember this because when we look at, this, at the, um, these calendars, you're going to find out that by using this numerical pattern, what they are actually stating is that through depravity and rebellion, they're placing man above God. And isn't this exactly what had happened in the great war in heaven when Lucifer and his followers were thrown out? He wanted to be God. 
It was through rebellion that he was thrown out. And if you remember, the scripture even tells us, for witchcraft is as the sin of rebellion. On this next transparency, we're going to add a couple things. Notice Yule, December 21st at the top. Right next to it, you're going to see Christmas. After that, you drop down to Groundhog's Day, which is on another night of human sacrifice, this one being in bold. May Day, on the humanite sacrifice of Beltane. And Halloween, on the humanite sacrifice of Samhain. These are just some of the holidays, some of the major ones that we celebrate. And can you see how they're already lining up with these occult Sabbaths? And you're going to find out that there is a reason. As we go through this, you will also note we're going to add different ones to it. This time, we will add Inauguration Day, January 20th, Valentine's Day, February 14th, April Fool's Day, Independence Day, July 4th, July 19th, 1996, which was the Olympic Games. You will note that the next Olympic Games is going to be on the human night sacrifice of Mabin in the year 2000. Now, there's something strange going on with the Olympic Games. How many of you can recall the way that they started the 1992 Olympic Game openings? Does anyone recall what they did? They had an archer take an arrow, and he had it lit. And he shot it into the air. It arced over and landed in the traditional Olympic bowl. This reminded me of the story of Prometheus, how he stole fire from the gods. Take a good look at this next transparency. You will notice that red spiraling object on top of the tower. That is the new Olympic bowl. Do you know what the papers were calling that? That was being referred to as the Olympic cauldron. And it was being properly referred to as a cauldron for some very specific reasons. First of all, just by looking at it, you can tell that this cauldron is a red one. It had to be red because the first family of the Illuminati, the head of it to this very day, Lord James Rothschild himself, his name Rothschild from the German means red shield. Second of all, you will notice how that cauldron is spiraling down and inwardly. There's a very good reason for that. When witches, especially those in the Illuminati, are concluding a lot of their ceremonies, they will dance in a spiraling formation. The reason it spirals inward is because they're bringing together, supposedly, great medical, metaphysical energies to where at the end of the ceremony they will release all this through the cone of power and then it will go out to do whatever they want it to do. It's for this reason that they do that spiraling because of the spiral dance. Those jet flames up there, there were 18 of them. The reason there was 18 because it constitutes the triplicity of their favorite number. Six plus six plus six. That's why there was 18. Now, in the occult world, 
there are two gods, the god and the goddess. Semiramis is a goddess. Her son slash husband, Nimrod, is the god. Now, when you see the crescent moon, this is the oldest symbol that recognizes the goddess, or Semiramis. When you see the five-pointed star, you're looking at what's known as a pentagram. This is the symbol for Nimrod. Now, when you see the crescent moon and the five-pointed star in the center of it, you are looking at the oldest sign in existence that symbolizes both God and goddess, Semiramis and Nimrod. If you will look right here, you will notice this is a crescent moon. And you will see the five-pointed star sitting right in it. If we were to take that out, you would see another crescent moon here with a second star right above it. And then after that, the last crescent moon under the bottom with that yellow star up there. This is the new emblem for the Olympic game. As I stated before, the next Olympic game is going to happen September 21st in the year 2000, Sydney, Australia. I can only imagine what they're going to do this time. I don't expect it to get any better. I'm expecting it to get a lot worse. There is a reason why these days were put in the specific pattern they were. Starting at the top. When we look at Inauguration Day, January 20th, this is when your president takes his oath of office. Do you know originally it was never that? It used to be November. The Illuminati had it moved up purposely to where it fit the pattern. And we're going to go over that pattern right now. You will notice Inauguration Day is exactly 13 days before the human night sacrifice of Imbolg. Valentine's Day is exactly 13 nights after the human night sacrifice of Imbolg. Easter, I will get into that afterwards. They have to use astrology to figure out when Easter is going to be every year. I'll explain that afterwards. All Fool's Day or April Fool's Day is exactly 13 weeks from the, begin from the beginning of your calendar. Independence Day is exactly 13 days after the human night sacrifice of Litha. Last year's Olympic game was exactly 13 days before the human night sacrifice of Lunasad. And if you notice, the next one is going to be exactly on the night of a human sacrifice. Are you beginning to see this numerical pattern, how all these 13s are lining up? Let's face it, we can't deny the mathematics of this. All you have to do is just sit down at the calendar and count. It will point out these are all separated by 13s. And there are reasons. The main reason, at least for this alignment, is because every single one of these holidays are occultic in origin. We're going to be able to, Lord willing, go over the majority of them tonight. Starting with Christmas. Now, I am very well aware 
that, of course, most people in the Christian realm, just about anyone for that matter of fact, believes Christmas has everything to do with the birthday of Jesus Christ, correct? However, when you look at the scriptures, there is no way, first of all, Jesus Christ could have been born on December 25th, as they like to state, because the Bible tells us that, if you look in the book of Luke, that the shepherds were still out in the field tending to their flock. To this very day, Judaic tradition teaches us they don't bring the sheep in from the fields until the second week of October. Christ could not have been born in December then. It had to have been right before that event had happened. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. There's an interesting event that's going on here. And then you tell me what this sounds like. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. Get that one memorized, folks. Learn not to do what these occultists are doing. What are they doing? Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen, with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold, they fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. That's a Christmas tree. You go to the forest, chop it down with the axe, bring it home, nail it or put it in that little upright stand, take gold and silver trimmings, deck it all around, voila, you have a Christmas tree. We think this tree is supposed to be part of the birthday of Christ. How? That one's still a mystery to me, but I have to tell you, when you um, look at the occult religion, you're going to find out that there are very specific trees that are very sacred in the occult realm. Just a couple examples I put up here. The oak tree is the most sacred of all the trees for the Druids. The Druids were the high priests of the Celtic tribe. As a matter of fact, the name Druid from the ancient Gaelic means the men of oak. The Egyptian, well, they had plenty of palm trees around there. That became a very sacred tree to their god, Ra. And, of course, in Scandinavia, where Odin was um, supposedly the chief god of the entire pantheon, he um, wanted the fir tree. Now, these people in the occult nowadays, they are still taking gold and silver decorations, putting it on their trees. A lot of them are taking cookies, putting them on the trees also after they baked them. They will take chestnuts, tie traditional Christmas color ribbon around them, or I should say Yule ribbons. See, you call Christmas what it is. The occult, it's, it's properly known as Yule. We'll get to that. But they will take the traditional colors, either red or green, tied around chestnuts and hang it from the tree. 
this is how just, you know, some of the items became part of your so-called Christmas holiday. It is also, if you remember, the five-pointed star, the, the pentagram, is the oldest symbol that represents Nimrod. See, in the occult world, from November 1st all the way through, through April 30th, the god is in charge. He will rule over the world for those six months. After that, the goddess takes over. At this point of the season, he is known as the winter god. He is also commonly referred to as the horned god, the stag god, the god of the hunt, so on and so forth. It is for this reason, his symbol, the five-pointed star now, you've been placing it on top of these Christmas trees. How many of us have done this in the past? Be honest, yeah. We've been putting those on top of our trees. In the old days, of course, what they used to do, they would take candles, put them on the branches of the trees, and light them. They would also take these same candles and put them on their windowsills. But you've got to remember, this time of the year, the nighttime is, long, is longer than the daytime, correct? What this candle does is send out light. Now, this is according to the occult belief now. Sends these lights out from the homes to where the winter god can see them, and he will come down and bless the people in that household. These lights are welcoming back the winter god himself. But of course, nowadays, we've modernized this, and we have these multicolored lights that blink on and off, and these fake candles we put in the windowsill, but it's still the exact same thing. You put those on your trees, you put those on top of your windowsills, you're doing exactly what those people in the occult are doing to this very day. You're welcoming in the occult winter god. Then, of course, there are the various plants that we are using to celebrate the season. We've seen mistletoe before. It's a green plant with white berries that are very, very poisonous. The mistletoe is a very sacred plant in the occult world. It's a fertility plant. It's for this reason that the custom of when you walk under the mistletoe you're supposed to kiss, that's what's symbolizing the rites of fertility. The Christmas wreath, it is circular in its design and it was done so for a reason and I'm going to try to be as tactful about this as possible. But if the truth be known, this first of all represents the cycle of life and the cycle of reincarnation. The reason that is so is because, occultically speaking, again, this is another um, fertility symbol because it represents the female sexual organs. And it's for this reason why, in the, in the occult world, there is still place candles around it because it symbolizes the male phallic symbol, the unification of both of them. And, of course, we've seen the holly plant before. This is, again, another fertility plant. It's a minor one in the occult, but this one is still used to um, celebrate the Yule season in the occult world. What is wrong with this? 
You say, well, it's a piece of bread. You're right. It's a piece of bread I took out of this loaf. This loaf is a one-pound loaf, and there's something missing from this bread. Even though it says it is whole wheat, there's still something missing from this and almost all of the bread you're eating. See, the story was in 1860, the smart humans decided that they were going to outstrip God and that they could figure out a way where the flour would not spoil because once you break the wheat berry, then it begins to spoil and in seven to ten days it's got mold. So they figured out how they could be smarter than God. We're going to take out the outside shell and then the wheat germ. We're only going to use the white powder part of the wheat. And that doesn't spoil. And they're right. You can put it in a bag. Five years later, it's still there. But then, of course, there's something else they removed. And that is most. Now, not all, but most of the nutrition. So then they had to pass all of these laws saying you got to put niacin, you got to put vitamins, you got to do this, put all of this into the... So why not just use what God made? So the difference between this and what I made is this. That's the difference in my bread, whole wheat bread, versus what you buy in the store. The bigger slice here, this is actually cherry, cinnamon, uh, honey, and vanilla mixed together. And I made this. So when you make your own homemade bread, you can make it flavor any way. You want jalapeno? You got it. You want to have uh, seeds, sesame seeds, however you want to, you can make it. But the big advantage to making your own home wheat, whole wheat bread is that it's probably the cheapest way to, to have long-term storage food because most of your long-term storage food companies cost nine to $10,000 per person per year. But at Joseph's Kitchen, they can show you how to feed your family for about $1,000 per person per year, and it's whole wheat. Okay, so what is whole wheat over the regular wheat? Well, you remember the seven years of plenty followed by the seven years of famine of Joseph and the Pharaoh. Well, that meant that the whole world lived off of wheat for seven years. Now, I don't think that we, maybe Jesus said, you may man should not live by bread alone, meaning you should have other things that you should eat. However, about the closest thing out there that'll feed you not only good tasting, but also nutrition for your body is wheat. And so we recommend you go to josephskitchen.com. When you go there, you got to get two things. One is you have to get a machine package. That's the items that you need to actually physically make the bread. It's a wheat grinder where you put the wheat in. 30 seconds later, you have flour. You put it into a bread machine with six other ingredients. Push about two hours, 20 minutes later, you have a nice, hot, steaming loaf of wonderful that you made whole wheat bread. Slice that up. We can prove The slicer is even included. The beakers, it's everything you need to make bread. Then you decide how much food you want to have. You want to have food for six people one year, four people one year, two people one year. You place your order, and they have it in stock. Because most of these long-term storage food places, they're out. Uh, Some of them are two or three months. Some of them are even longer behind in filling their orders. But at Joseph Kitchen, they can ship within two or three days. And they ship around the world. Go to josephskitchen.com. I'm telling you that the prophecies say there's about to be a food shortage And if you want to listen to what God's trying to warn us about, then you'll get this long-term storage food.